Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. That's all extra biblical. It happened because Daniel is prophesying this is what's going to happen in the biblical last days. Not the end of time, the time of the end. The time of what end? The time of the end of the Old Covenant. And here's one of the things. Go ahead, bring that chart back up, and let me be able to see it as well. Bring the chart back of the Caesars. Here In the book of Revelation, it said, they also, there are also, he tells them, here's the mind that has wisdom, that they are also seven kings. Five of them have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come, but when he does come, he must remain only for a short season. If you go back to the Julian line of Caesars from the time of Jesus, there were five kings who had fallen. The first king was Julius Caesar from 49 to 44 B.C. Augustus from 27 B.C. to 80. I'm sorry, there was not from the time of Jesus, but there was five kings in the Julian line of Caesars. The Roman Empire. Are you still tracking with me? I'm trying to show you how all of this fits like a glove. So the first king that was fallen was Julius Caesar. The second one was Augustus. I, I always remember Augustus because on Christmas morning, my dad, we still make a joke about it. My dad's been gone for a number of years. But Christmas morning, my dad would always read the Christmas story. And he would read from Luke 2, and there went out a degree from Caesar and August. So we'd always make a joke, did Caesar get his, did, <laughs> did Caesar get his degree this year in August? But it was Caesar Augustus from 27... B.C. to A.D. 14. Tiberius from A.D. 14 to 37. Caligula from A.D. 37 to 41. Claudius Caesar, Claudius Caesar from A.D. 41 to 54. Five of them had fallen. Five kings had fallen. Here's the mind that has wisdom. Five of these kings, have, there are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, the other's not yet come, but when he does, he must continue to space. The sixth king... In the line of Caesars that was in power during the time when all of this is, he said, five kings have fallen, all of these first five kings, and one is. The one who was was Nero from, six, from 54 A.D. to 68 A.D. After him, Galba came. He was only there for a short, and there was, there was several rulers that, that came right after that in a short season. Now, let me just say this. Stay with me a moment. Nero was the sixth king in power. He's trying to identify who the beast is here, who the head of this beast is. And the sixth king in power, the one who is, was Nero. His name, Lucius Nero, has a numerical value of 666. Nero set a statue of himself up at Agora and forced the people to burn incense to his statue and to worship the image they called Nero the beast because he put animal skins on and he crucified Christians and used them to light his courts in his garden. He burnt their bodies. He killed his own mother. The man was a psychopath. He was the perversion. If you read about the perversions of Nero, this guy was absolutely a psychopath. He, he set up a statue of himself, made the people worship the statue, and once they worshipped his image, they would take the ashes of the incense that they had burnt. And they would put a mark on their head or their hand. They would give them a writing of a libellus, 
without which they could not buy or sell in the marketplace unless they took the mark of the beast. And because Christians would not worship the image of the beast, they were killed. That ought to be worth coming to this seminar for, that the mark of the beast is not in your future. It, you, can, you can look that up in Wikipedia. Furthermore, it says, here's the patience of the saint. He that kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Nero fell on his own sword. And everything about him fits the criteria of in the days of these final kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. But when, the, when, he, was, when he died and was cru- or fell on his sword, after him arose a whole new line of the Caesars. Bring that back up again. We lost uh, the, the latter part of it. Nero was officially the last of the Julio-Claudian line, uh, line of, of emperors. Thus the line ended, and it would have seemed symbolically as if the head of the empire had been wounded to death. Nero committed suicide by falling on his own sword. He, uh, he fulfilling the scripture, he that killed with the sword will also be killed with the sword. But after him began to arise, I forgot the name of the guy that arose after that began a whole, the Flavian, uh, yeah, that's it. There seemed to be a miraculous turnaround because the empire was revived under Vespasian and Titus, when they came into power, they established the Flavian dynasty of Caesars. Instead of the beast dying, it resurrected under Vespian and ruled for a solid 10 years. That's in the book of Revelation. Now, when we see Daniel describing this beast later on, we're going to see him describe in detail the same thing you see in the book of Revelation. Are, are you tracking with me? Am I losing you? Are we still Okay. Let's go down. Let's go with that with that into Daniel. Let me. I want to at least get this in this first session in because we're gonna get heavy in this next one. <laughs> if it ain't heavy enough, all right. I think that's. If, if I didn't say nothing more than that, that the mark of the beast is not something in your future. It is not your credit card. Somebody say, well, brother, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're gonna, you know, uh, the, your credit card's your mark. They're gonna be able to tell everything. But you already got Alexa in your living room. I stood in front of a, 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 a Rolls Royce in, Palm, I believe it was Palm Beach Airport, and uh, I, I was by myself, and it was in an airport, and I looked at this Rolls Royce, and I said, to, I said out loud, that ain't a bad price for a Rolls Royce. By the time I got to the next gate, pulled my Facebook page up, there's a Rolls Royce come up. Now, what I'm simply saying is that we, we've got all kinds, I mean, you could simply turn that off, but that has nothing to do with the mark of the beast, because we have put fear in people for so long about buying and selling that these scan codes and everything, we, everything ever since I was young, it was, it was first of all, it was a social security number, and then it was a credit card, and then it's the scan codes, and then it's barcodes, and then it was the computer, and then it was like, okay. And, 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 and even if I'm wrong, it has nothing to do with you buying groceries. It has everything to do with worship. But what they did was made them worship the image of the beast. And even their coins. I have an a, a, um, a archaeologist that's actually been the one that they've been using to try to find the ark in Israel who showed me some of the Roman coins where it had Caesar's insignia on it. And they, they, they worshiped them as a god. They literally worshiped them as a god. So when the apostles begin to announce Jesus is Lord, there's another king in town. They begin to accuse them, saying, these guys are declaring there's another king. That we might be in trouble, that this king, are you all hearing where I'm coming from? Now, let's go to Daniel, Daniel 9. I know I'm being lengthy here. Let's see, what time is it? Let's get, in, in the first year of Darius, son of Ahaz, the offspring of the Medes, 
who's made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books the numbers of years, which according to the word of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet, must, come to be, must pass by before the desolation. So Daniel is reading Jeremiah about the desolation that was pronounced on Jerusalem must pass before the desolation which had been pronounced on Jerusalem should end. And it was 70 years. Jeremiah prophesied that they would go down into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And I set my face to the Lord to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord, my God, my confession, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God who keeps covenant mercy, loving kindness with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and dealt perversely, done wickedly, and have rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Neither have we listened to and heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, princes, and our fathers, to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us confusion and shame of face as it is to this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, to those who are near and those who are far off, through all the countries to which you have driven them because of the treacherous trespass which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belong confusion and shame of face to our kings, to our princes and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and loving kindness and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him, and we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us through his servants, the prophets. Yes, All Israel has transgressed your law, even turning aside that they might not obey your voice. Therefore, the curse has been poured out on us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned. In other words, all these catastrophes are coming because we have broken covenant. And he was carried carried out intact his threatening words, which he threatened against us, against our judges, the kings, the princes, rulers, generally he ruled us. And he has brought upon us a great evil, for under the whole heaven there has not been done before anything so dreadful as he has caused to be done against Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, as to all this evil that would surely come upon transgressors, so it has come upon us. Yet we have not earnestly begged for forgiveness and treated the favor of the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and have understanding and become wise in our youth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity, the evil, and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is uncompromisingly righteous and rigidly just in all his works, which he does, keeping his word. We have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord God, who brought your forth your people out of the land of Egypt, You've secured your renown and a name as it is this day. We have sinned. We have done wickedly. Let me just skip down here because he's talking about what they've all done to do that. Well, let me, let me just finish reading. Now, therefore, verse 17, our God, listen to and heed the prayer of your servant Daniel and his supplications. And for your own sake, cause your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear Upon open your eyes and look upon our desolation of the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you for our own righteousness and justice, but for your great mercy and loving kindness. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, give heed and act. Do not delay for your word's sake, O God, because your city and your people are called by your name. While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of the people of Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer... The man Gabriel, whom I had seen former in the vision, being caused to fight swiftly, came near to me and touched me about the time of the evening sacrifice. And he instructed me and made me understand. And he talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give you skill and wisdom and understanding. At the beginning of your prayers, 
the word, giving an answer, went forth, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Now, look, this is the part I really want to get to. First of all, let me tell you, again, to set the backstory. Jeremiah prophesied they would be in captivity for 70 years because they did not keep the covenant of God. Daniel was asking God, how long are we going to be in this condition? And then he starts to give him the answer. He said, 70 weeks of years or 490 years are decreed upon your people and upon your holy city, Jerusalem, to finish and put an end to transgression, to seal up and make full the measure of sin, to purge away and make expitiation and reconciliation for sin, to bring in everlasting righteousness, permanent moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation, to seal up vision and prophecy and profit and to anoint a holy of holies. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the coming of the anointed one, a prince shall be seven weeks of years and 62 weeks of years. It shall be built again with city, square, and moat, but in troublesome time. And after 62 weeks of years shall the anointed one be cut off or killed and shall have nothing and no one belonging to and defending him. And the people of the other prince who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with the flood. Even to the end there shall be war and desolations are decreed. And he shall enter into a strong and firm covenant with many for one week, seven years. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and offering to cease for the remaining three and one half years. And upon the wing or pinnacle of abomination shall come who makes desolate until the full determined end is poured out on the desolator. Now bring up my timeline chart and we're going to try to make some sense of this. He's telling them. Here's the, here's the story again, Daniel. Remember, now he's talking about the biblical time of the end. And he tells them, first of all, 490 years are determined. You heard me say this last night, but I said, why 490? And why 70 times 7? It's because God himself is bound by what he said in the scriptures. A man must forgive until 70 times 7, 490. 490 is also multiples of Sabbaths and Jubilees. How many know when Jesus stands up in the temple, he declares to them, this is the year, the acceptable year of the Lord, which was the year of Jubilee. In other words, he's telling them, you are in a time and a season where I am declaring favor. And he declared the favor of God in the beginning of his ministry. What we don't know is that Jesus didn't read the full scripture. The rest of that scripture says, and to declare the days of of the vengeance of our God. And the reason he didn't declare vengeance was because these people still had some time in order to come into the covenants of promise and into their jubilee, their Sabbath, the rest of God. Are you following me? Now watch this as we bring this chart up here. He said 70 weeks of years are determined. I need to get where I can see it myself. And I, I, I don't know, if, they, if you all want to, you can make copies of this and give it to people. I don't know if you have any of them or not or made them. But you can give copies because we, 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 you're, you're more than welcome to do this. He says from the, God is giving Daniel some understanding as to what is going to take place in the latter end. And he said from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, will be, first of all, 49 years. They will build the city, and then another 62 weeks of years, the Messiah will come. What we don't realize, I can't see it very clear from here myself, so I, I need to look at the chart. He gives the commandment under King Artaxerxes. There we go. Thank you. 
you can, if there's any more, you're welcome to hand them out. He gives the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. Now watch this. Daniel knows the scriptures. He said, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the prince, will be 483 years. The commandment goes forth to build and restore Jerusalem in 457 B.C. under King Artaxerxes. I know people get bored when you start talking about history, but if we don't get these pieces, we're going we're to miss the whole point here. The commandment, went, here's how I remember what King, everybody say this with me, R, tax, irks, us. Now if you say that real fast, that's the king's name, Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes. King Artaxerxes, Persian king, remember the digression of the kingdoms. He gives the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem in 457 B.C. Ezra and Nehemiah start to rebuild the city, but in troublesome times. Hence, the 49 years or the seven weeks of years that Daniel breaks down first. So the wall and the city was built from 457 to 405 or 406, I can't see real good either here, B.C. In other words, the first 49 years transpired under Ezra and Nehemiah. I have a whole play, uh, playlist back there on the table called Roadmap to Reformation where I teach from Ezra and Nehemiah and show you how it comes up even through guys like Zechariah, our contemporaries with him during that time of the rebuilding of Jerusalem. But the key thought here, if even you miss all of those points, is that the commandment goes forth to restore and build Jerusalem in 457 B.C., and exactly 483 years later, Jesus stands up in the temple and says, go get me the book of Isaiah. In other words, what God told Daniel was unfolding right in front of their eyes. Once again, if I was not a believer and somebody told me exactly how long it was going to be. Now, he's telling you this while he's in Babylon. Because he's trying to figure out how long we're going to be here. And God tells him what's going to take place. But this is, this is transpiring probably. Uh, Daniel, Daniel is in, 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 the, in the palace for quite a while under a couple different ministrations. But here's the deal. He gives this prophecy and says, From the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, will be 483 years. And you go back to uh, Ezra chapter 7 under King Artaxerxes. You read it in in Ezra chapter 7. Artaxerxes gives the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. And exactly 483 years later, Messiah shows up and stands up and says, Go get me the book of Isaiah. I'm anointed to preach. Begins the last seven-year period of the scope of the prophecy of Daniel, which most prophecy teachers are teaching as being the end times are the last seven years of the scope of Daniel's prophecy, except they say that after the 483 years, because Israel rejected their Messiah, God put a parenthesis there. Stop time for 2,022 years and counting and has the next seven years for somewhere in our future. There is no Bible for that. 490 years was determined. And what was happening was they were about to lose their exclusive covenant with Yahweh. And God was about to offer it to the Gentiles. And just like the Bible said, 
483 years, Messiah comes and Messiah confirms the covenant with many for one week. The new covenant. And after three and a half years, Messiah would be cut off. Three and a half years into the ministry of Jesus, what happens? Messiah is cut off. What does he do? He makes an end of sin, brings in everlasting righteousness, seals up the vision, the prophet in the most holy place. Jesus fulfills all of that. Three and a half years into the last seven years of the scope of this prophecy. So that there was only three and a half years left. And then Jesus says to his disciples, before he ascends, go first to Judea, then Jerusalem, and then to the uttermost part of the earth. The, the apostles don't even know yet that the Gentiles are included quite yet because there is still three and a half years of the scope of this 490-year prophecy for Israel to accept their Messiah. So Messiah is cut off in the middle of the last seven, middle of the last seven-year period, the three and a half year period. There's three and a half years left of the scope of that prophecy. And the apostles begin to preach to the hallelujah, to the Jews first, and all of a sudden God jumps out of their box and starts saving Ethiopians. And Stephen stands up uh, and begins to preach and he finally says, you by wicked hands have crucified the king of glory and the clock strikes midnight and the 490 years are ended and God, hallelujah, nails a guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus and makes the greatest apostle of the Gentiles that's ever walked so that there's no Bible for a future seven year tribulation. It happened exactly like it's right here in front of you, right? And dated historically, you can look at all of the historic documentation. It all happened. And then the prophecy begins with the, the back end of the prophecy of Jesus, because Jesus gives his prophecy concerning tribulation in Matthew 24. But when you get to the book of Revelation, there is no seven-year tribulation because Daniel talks about, and so does Habakkuk. Somebody get me this quickly. Just grab this for me. I'll get into some of this perhaps in the next, uh, uh, in the next segment, especially out of the, the uh, 12th chapter of the book of Daniel. But the back end of this book, uh, book end of the back end of this 40-year transition period, can you look at your charts? Look at your charts. Jesus is cut off in the middle of the last seven-year period. He does exactly what he says he's going to do. And then the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all the world. And God begins to include both Jew and Gentile. Let me say this as well. I, I know I'm being lengthy here this morning. I'm about out of time. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus is a parable. The rich man in that story is the Jews. They're rich. They have the covenants of promise. Lazarus is a picture of the Gentiles because even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. The rich man, and Jesus has given this parable to the rich man. He said, but the rich man, he, he ended up in hell. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. And he says, go warn my brothers not to come here. And Jesus says to him, even though one rose from the dead, still they will not believe. Lazarus is the, is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Eliezer, which was the Gentile servant of Abraham who was going to receive the inheritance of Abraham. So what this is a story about is 
the rich man losing the covenant of promise and the Gentiles receiving it. And he says, send Lazarus from the dead, because if you send Lazarus from the dead, surely my brothers will believe. And it never dawns on us that a couple chapters later, Jesus raises a man by the name of Lazarus from the dead. I promise you the moment they told the Pharisees, this dude just raised somebody from the dead, they said, please tell us his name is not Lazarus. Because it's about lights out for us. We're about to lose the covenants of promise. A lot of these parables are about that. We bring them out of context, but it's talking about them losing their exclusive covenant. But Habakkuk talks about the appointed time of the end. Who, who got Habakkuk for me? Did anybody grab that for me? Habakkuk, if you got it for me, read for me again, sir, if you would. He, uh, Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse number 3, I think it is. For the vision is yet for appointed time. But at the end it will speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not tarry. And Daniel chapter 12, Daniel tells them that the determined time of the end would be 1,260 days, three and a half years, times, times and a half time, 42 months. All through the book of Revelation, the back end of this pointed time of the end is when Jesus prophesied concerning a great tribulation, which such as would not since the world began or would ever be again. He prophesied that all of that tribulation would occur before that generation standing there passed away. And the book of Revelation is not seven years of tribulation. It is times, times, and a half of times, 42 months, 1260 days. Every time you see that, it is the last three and a half years of the scope of this end of that 40-year transition period. And that from the time that the daily sacrifice was abolished in 66 AD, the Jewish war began, and, th and three and a half years later, 42 months, times, times, and a half of times, the people of the other prince that came, which was Titus, destroyed the city and burned it to the ground. And old Jerusalem faded off the scene. And new Jerusalem came on the scene. Have I lost you? What I'm trying to show you is if you don't even get all these details, you're welcome to take these charts and to study them without any gaps, without any additions to putting USA Today in the middle of this paper and trying to hang something out in the future, Daniel clearly tells you the appointed time of the end is the same time that I've been reiterating all through this series on victorious eschatology, that the appointed time of the end is not the end of a global catastrophe. It was the end of the old covenant. And the good news is the mark of the beast is not in your future and a seven-year tribulation is not in your future. All of that happened just like Jesus said it would. Jesus is not a false prophet. It all happened within that generation. It happened, you see the digression of the kingdom, Babylon, Persians, Greeks, Romans, days of these kings, God of heaven, going to set up a kingdom. And we're a part of that still because it's still going on and it's still increasing. And that's all I'm going to say in the first session. You've been gracious this morning. Let me give it to Pastor. 
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.